You're listening to Rights and Brands podcast. Today I have with me author Christina Sandu and I'm her literary agent Lena Stina Kakko. We'll be talking about Christina's two novels, her Finlandia Prize nominated debut The Whale Called Goliath and her new novel soon to be published in Finnish by Otava. Thank you, Christina, for accepting my invitation to have this chat. Thanks for having me here. Let's start with um, your debut, The Whale Called Goliath, which was inspired, I believe, largely by your own family background. Your father is Romanian, working in Helsinki as a university professor, and your mother is Finnish. So basically, the narrator Alba's background is pretty much the same as, as yours. Uh, yes, it is. Um, I think for me, as I wanted to write about Romanian and Finnish cultures and growing up between them, it was easiest for me to to choose something that is close to me and to build my characters based on people around me. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are a lot of similarities between me and my narrator. But then, of course, to make it the book interesting. Um, I also used a lot of fiction. So in the novel, Alba um, travels back to Romania to attend her grandfather's funeral. And this is sort of the first time she's back as an adult. She used to spend her childhood summers there. But this time going back is is a bit different. We get vivid descriptions of local Romanian customs, like having the wake with the grandfather's body lying on the kitchen table. And we also get to know more about the 20th century history of Romania, how Ceausescu's dictatorship affected people in the village. And even though these experiences are not really openly talked about um, by the by the people themselves, what was it like to write about the history of Romania and how did you do your background research? Um, I think for me this was the book I I always knew I have to write because I've spent so much time in Romania and and since I'm a child I've, I've heard stories that people in my father's village tell about Romania's past and their own years during the dictatorship and afterwards Um, so most of the research for the book was really to collect the stories mm-hmm. and everybody in the town knew I'm I'm collecting these stories because I would always walk around with a notebook and talk to people and and that was actually the most important kind of background work for this book. Um, of was course it easy to to ask about these events or were people ready to talk about them? Um, The way it happened, I didn't ask directly about their their experience. It was more um, people naturally tell mm. uh, stories in Romania and very openly, especially in the small towns, people would open up about about their youth or childhood. And this kind of oral storytelling is very very present in Romania especially in the small communities. So I didn't really have to ask very much. It was more something natural that happened whenever I met people. Um, we would sit down and 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 they would they would tell. So it was more about listening to them. Yeah, actually stories. it was more about listening. And then of course with my very close relatives I was able to ask more specific questions. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then I had to do some fact-checking uh, about like, the years or the, the dates, things like that, to be sure that there are no mistakes. So at the end, I also had to do some reading, but most of the work was, was really just listening to, to people. Um, in the novel, you tell the curious legend about a whale that was named Goliath, which actually made it even to the title of the book. And there are a lot of other legends and, and myths and, and fairy tale-like um, stories that you share. Where did these stories come from? Were they also from the people when you were listening to them? Were they, the, were they telling them as well? Um, yes, I think most of the stories come from these discussions and the stories I heard. And what really marked me was that the kind of everyday anecdotes became somehow uh, big and special. So I didn't really have to look for for legends either or for myths or the kind of extraordinary stories. Everything was already there. And then I think what happened with the whale is that I had heard people talk about it but then I read more on the internet and then I actually found like, newspaper articles. Uh, so I was able to fill, uh, like, fill in the details in my book. Um, but everything really started in, in these conversations that took place. Yeah. Apparently there's also a Hungarian short story on the whale, the same whale that you were writing about. I, I didn't know about this but when I was pitching to a Hungarian publisher oh. and he said, I know this story. <laughs> I've heard it. Yeah, I also think that Hungarian author Krasna Horkai has written a, a novel about um, about a whale. I didn't know if it's the same one, but it's mm -hmm. a very similar story. Okay. And I had actually, I was reading that book as I was finishing my own book, and I, I, I didn't want to touch the book before I'm kind of mm. done with my own. And it's, I found it also fascinating how, how this whale had ended up in another book in a very different way, but still. Maybe that was the book that he was referring I, I to. Think I think it's possible. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, your, so your debut was nominated for Finlandia Prize, which is the most prestigious literary prize in Finland and gets only six nominees each year. So that was quite a start for uh, your literary career. How did you react then and what do you think about the nomination now, well, almost two years later? Um, I remember at the time I was really surprised because I didn't expect I could be nominated. I mean, I didn't even think about the possibility of being nominated. Um, now I think I was very lucky because of the jury. Uh, I think that year the jury was looking for something a bit out of ordinary, something less typically a Finlandia uh, book. Um, and. I think I was very lucky. Um, I'm also trying to take some distance to these prices because mm. I think you can't kind of measure yourself against these prices. It's so, it depends on so many things if you're nominated or not. And I think it was a great start for, my, for me, but I hope in future I can be kind of as expected as, as little as I did back then because I know there are writers who kind of almost write in order to, and with the hope of being nominated. And I think it's, it's something I want to avoid. Um, so I think I was lucky, but it's not something I, I expect to happen again, or necessarily when I write, I don't, I don't hope that it will happen again. I, I will see what, what is gonna 
happen with my future books. Um, so let's move on to, to the future, to your new novel, which is actually to be published in a month's time as we speak. We are actually still trying to find the right name for it in English, so here we're just going to call it The New Book. Um, it's a short novel, or even a novella, and it tells about six girls who grow up in a very poor place and they love swimming in the local river. Where did the idea for this book come from? What inspired to write this this story in particular? Mm. I had especially two things in mind. One was that I wanted to write short fiction and the other thing was that I wanted to write about women protagonists. And then um, there are certain stories that I've, I've had in my mind for a long time and I, I, that I wanted to use in this project. Um, I'm fascinated by the stories of Olympic uh, sports uh, men and women who who disappear because the competition becomes a way for them to get a visa abroad mm. and and they come from a, a country which is very difficult to leave so I started reading those stories and I thought I need to write something like that um, I also wanted to see if I could maybe write in an original way about certain themes like um, sexual abuse and immigration and racism um, so this book became a way for me to treat all these these themes. Yeah, we'll come back to, to immigra immigration and racism a bit later, but um, let's talk first a little bit about the place where these girls come from. You describe it being a piece of land between two rivers belonging to no state. Um, and it's, it's sort of a post-Soviet country that has not been granted its independence. Um, why did you choose this kind of location or origin for the girls and, and what is your relation to it? Um, did it come from the, the idea of their story? I, had, I wanted to find a or create a place for my book which is hard to leave. Um, as in it's, it's difficult to get a visa and I read about these uh, small, like you said, post-Soviet countries which aren't recognized. So that was one thing and then I wanted there to be a river which is also a border. Somehow it was important for me to to have the river there and and to have the girls kind of, to, to begin the stories with these six girls at the river. I had this image in my mind. Um, and then when I, when I started reading about these kind of countries that are not recognized, um, some aspects of, of them and the situation they're in seemed so absurd that, that I was able to write about, about them in, in an almost like fairy tale way. And when you read it, 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 it might seem that it's, it's kind of, it's absurd, but a lot of the things that seem absurd are actually happening. Um, yeah, it does sound like an imaginary place, yeah. but then I did some Googling as well um, after we spoke about yeah. your manuscript for the first time, and, and these places still, they, they do exist. Yeah, yeah, they do. So the girls who live there, they, um, it's a group of six girls, they start practicing synchronized swimming. That's quite a fascinating sport that we actually rarely think about. Why did you choose this instead of example sort of normal swimming? <laughs> uh, does it have some kind of a symbolic meaning? Or? 
Uh, no, I really, I did quite a lot of background research to find a sport that would go with this book. So I wanted a water sport, and first I wanted something very strange, like underwater football. But then the <laughs> team size was too big, and I needed a small team because I wanted to write a small book. Um, and then when I started to read about synchronized swimming, and I read about how, for example, the movements are called, they often have names of birds and fish. And I watched some videos and I felt like there's something very poetic about it. And I can describe the, pra the trainings uh, in a way which kind of also plays with the reader's expectations. I don't have to name the sport immediately. Mm -hmm. I can just describe it and it's, it's quite beautiful, but it's also a bit crazy. And then after like several pages have, have passed, the reader will actually find out what's, what's the sport. Mm. So figure or synchronized swimming permitted me to, to play with that. Um, so this story about the girls and their swimming team, it's um, sort of a frame in the, in the book and it's interrupted by separate short glimpses to the lives of young rootless women in different parts of the world. Um, and these glimpses are sort of like separate um, short stories in, in themselves. And these two strands that first seem separate, they actually form a really interesting weave of intertwined fates towards the end. So in these short stories, you describe immigrant experience and, and namely female immigrant experience, as well as an urge to hide one's background. Is there something specific you want to say about these themes? Um, I feel that moving, the fact of moving to a, to a new country and struggling to adapt is nowadays something that a lot of readers can, can relate to and that I can also relate to because I've moved to different countries and around me I have, I have people who, who, also, who, are, who are living in a country that isn't theirs and of course, for example, my own experience is much more positive than these girls because here it's quite, sometimes even quite um, depressing or violent, uh, their experience in the new country. Um, and so I wanted to write these, these stories that I think a lot of readers can, can relate to. And their experiences, like, for example, the fact of having expectations of, of your life in a new country and then the reality, which are, can, can be very differ, different and also very disappointing and shocking. And I think that's something that I've, I've heard so many people go through and that I've also gone through myself to some extent, um, that it was a topic I had to, had to talk about and that I already brushed upon a bit in my debut novel, but here I wanted to choose some specific experiences related to, to moving to a new country. Um, and I guess being a woman myself and wanting to write about, about women, um, I chose these six, um, six girls or women migrating to, to different countries mm -hmm. to be able to address these, these experiences. So language and the poetry of narration play a really important part in your writing and as a reader we get to admire the beauty and the accuracy of your expression the metaphors and the visual images like from this new novel 
the swimming suits hung from the branches like crows. It's one of my favorite sentences. Thank you. It's very visual. Um, how important is the language itself for you when you're writing? And, and you're, right now you're not based in Finland, you're, you're based in Oxford in the UK and you're writing sort of in the middle of a foreign language all the time. So how does, what is mm -hmm. the, the part for the language in your writing, um, the role? I think as a writer I've already with my first book language ha is language has been one of the most Im important things and the reason I edit myself so much again and again is precisely to get a kind of ideal use of language or like my ideal use of language in fiction. Um, I used to admire most writers like I don't know um, Toni Morrison who you can pick any sentence and it's always it's so beautiful and it's so poetic. And I think this is how I used to be a few years ago. Um, and I kind of I grew up admiring her her literature, among others. But now, I think with this book, I'm also trying a new use of language for myself that is a kind of more efficient and clean and pure prose, which every now and then is interrupted by like visual images or original or I hope original metaphors. And so. I think um, this book is also for me a kind of test to, to try a different use of language as a writer. Uh, so language is still definitely one of the most important things for me when I write, but I think what's great language in prose has changed for me in the last few years. It's mm. interesting. The last question. Are you ready to share with us what you're planning on writing next? Um, I can't say too much about it because it's still I'm still doing background research and I'm not sure how, how the final book will be, but I again I want to write about the river, but in a very different way. I want to write a book about the Danube. Mm. But the approach will be completely different than in this book and I'm looking forward to traveling quite a lot along the Danube and in the countries that Danube crosses or, or go, goes through. Uh, and it's going to be something in between travel writing and a short story collection. Um, oh. So we'll see what, what happens with so that. So there's definitely something about rivers for you? I think so. But I think the difference here will be that now the river will be really the main protagonist, whereas here it's more like a starting point. Yeah. Well, thank you, Christina, for taking the time to talk to me today. And I wish you the best of luck with your new book. It's really exciting for me to start working with it now. And thank you all for listening to us. Thank you. Thank you.